0: On this episode, I have with me here in the studio, songwriter and guitarist, Emily Zimmer. So welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you. Uh, I'm really excited that you're here. You're uh, you're one of like a growing number of musicians that I, I have been able to say now that we're still kind of in COVID. Uh, I've known you, I've known of you for months now, but I haven't actually met you in person until today. So I'm really grateful to have you here live and in person. And, uh, you know, it's just been those circumstances for, for this whole time. You know, there've been so many people that we've been able to meet and talk with on Zoom or in other ways on social media, but uh, not actually live and in person because that's just the way of the world right now. So I'm really glad to see you. Same here. It's very nice to meet you in person, and thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, of course. So, um, and I want to learn. I'm, I mean, I know some things about you. We've we've talked before, but I want to know more about you and have have the audience learn more about you. So, uh, first and foremost, like what what made you decide to be a musician? And tell us about that that journey for you.
1: Sure. I mean, I think that's a long it is, yeah. journey, perhaps. <laughs> You know, it's like when uh, people ask a musician, who are your musical influences? Well, depends what era, depends what time. But if I can, if I can sum it up, um, uh, you know, my parents, when I, my first memories of music, my parents, like, I think probably most people of my generation, my parents were huge Beatles fans. Sure. And then uh, uh, my, my mom some of the first music that I ever heard. My mom was uh, a heavy listener during the era of uh, when the British Invasion and related artists of the '60s were coming out with their '80s era comeback albums. So, so Eric Clapton and Don Henley, and um, well, he's not British Invasion, but <clears throat> he was in that uh, sort of revival group in the '80s, um, and Steve Winwood and people like that. Um, So there was always music around the house and an appreciation for it, and then I was a very bad band student (laughs) uh, for many years. What did you
0: play in school band?
1: I played the trumpet in school band, because that's what my best friend wanted to play, and Uh, I just did what he did. Right. That's often how it goes. (laughs) But I knew that in the middle of playing some epic concert band piece, I was actually very moved by the music. Okay. And uh, my older sister, who is a professional musician also uh, now, her name is Mary Zimmer, and she used to tell me what popular music was cool and why and (laughs) what made an artist good. You know, like I remember her, we were watching some band on, who was the musical guest on Saturday Night Live circa 1994, I don't even remember who it was now, and she would say, see, they're good live. If they're good live, that means that they're great, you know. Yeah. So I started thinking uh-huh. about music very critically and uh, just became obsessed with radio and listened all day and all night and then uh, got into guitar when I was 16 during my jam band phase. That's what everyone in my yeah. high school was into Yeah. and started playing gigs pretty much right away and I, the, the, here I am now. This is 20, <laughs> 21 years later. Here I am now.
0: Aww. And where are you from originally?
1: Well, that's also a complicated question (laughs) because my father's career was the Army. Okay, got it. So I was born at Great Lakes Naval Hospital in North Chicago, Ah. Illinois. But then we lived in Iowa, and then we lived in Massachusetts on on an Air Force base, which is an extremely diverse uh, and interesting, fascinating, fascinating way to be a kid. And then... Uh, we came to Two Rivers, Wisconsin, Ooh, which is a whole story is, yeah. in itself, yeah. <laughs> itself for a 12, 13-year-old. And then I fled Two Rivers and uh, <laughs> came to Milwaukee and through through many different circumstances have been here ever since, for, forming a an appreciation for all of the wonderful things that we have going on here. Yeah. And so n- now I I've, I've been here longer than I've ever lived anywhere. I've been I've lived in the River West neighborhood longer than I've lived yeah. anywhere in my life, so I just tell people Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. Because the rest of the question is too is too complicated.
0: Yeah, but hey, I mean, it's it's where you call home. So that that's great. And and so were your parents musical themselves? No. But both no. you and your sister ended up We calling, did. Yeah.
1: We did, yes. My my mom was a visual artist. Okay, I have her. I have her art here. Oh, I nice. wish that folks could see. Tattooed, I have her. Yeah. I have two tattoos of her stained glass artwork mm-hmm. because she did a lot of things like that. Um, and then she passed away when we were kids. Oh wow! Um, so we were raised by dad. Very very supportive. You know, I'm very very thankful for having a very loving, unconditionally loving upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not a musical family as far as people playing music. Mm-hmm. I think my sister and I are like the only people who
0: did that. So, and, <laughs> so I don't know. That's cool, though. It's it's fascinating how huh? that sometimes works. So sure, yeah, that's really cool. And and so you you weren't into the trumpet, but you knew that music, or you know, spoke to you at that time. Sure. You ended up you know, getting into guitar, how did, I mean, how did, what was it about guitar that spoke to you?
1: Um, let me just rationalize it in my, in my 16 year old brain, (laughs) uh, because that's what brought me there originally. I think it was probably the desire to be cool. Ah. And I, and I loved, I was obsessed with Dave Matthews band and Fish, and, you know, this was 99, 2000. Sure. And, and. Uh, Some of the cool kids in my school had guitars and knew how to play guitar. And, you know, this was before this was before you could go online and look up tabs and before you could um, way before YouTube, way before you could learn just right there at home, no matter where you lived. Mm -hmm. And I, this was not, I didn't live in a place where you had music stores everywhere and you could just go take lessons. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard for me to find a pathway to get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really wanted to do it because I thought that that music was really cool. And I had this like secret desire to get better at guitar than Mm -hmm. the boys in my high school, you know, (laughs) which is my stupid 16 year old brain. But, but, underneath that, I really, really had a passion for the sound of it. I just thought that that sound was magical. And I thought what I found to be true, which is that you can play any style of music. Mm -hmm. You can play anything. So if you're like me and you you have this extremely diverse taste in music, I think something's broken in my brain because different types of music don't seem separate to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then guitar is just infinite. Options.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's that's a g- very good point. Um, coming from a French horn player, <laughs> where you're you're kind of so, limited. <laughs> so you were a good band student. <laughs> you you could say that. I you know I did all right, but uh, but but also I mean yeah, my options are much more limited. That I mean I can't play like reggae on French horn. That would be ridiculous. I mean you could I invent could. that. You should invent that. I would spread <laughs> the word like crazy. Oh my gosh. Uh, Let's not start that. I'll I'll, I'll consider it, but thank you. Uh, (laughs) So how did you learn guitar? Then, Were you just going through, did did you do lessons then?
1: Well, there was one little itty bitty folky hippie music store that I still love. It's still there, I think. It's called the Golden Ring
2: um,
1: Music and Folklore Center. Wonderful little teeny tiny place. You could pass by and not know it was there, um, which I don't mean in a bad way. The place is really cute and really lovely. And it was, like, the only thing for miles and miles around. But the center of, of music of that area, so much blossomed out of that store and um, the artists who have been in and out of it. So once in a while, they would have a teacher come in and offer, like, six to 12 group lessons. And part of the deal was you could get, like, a discount on a beginner's guitar. So I asked my dad, who thought that I was crazy because I was starting a a, a new thing at 16, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he agreed to, I think he agreed to pay for the lessons if I would pay for the guitar. Okay. And I had jobs since I was 13. I had my own little side stash of cash. Nice. And uh, so I put some away and... Uh, took the six lessons and then I and then I ended up taking six more which were at a separate location but those were like you know the intermediate lessons mm-hmm. so I felt mm-hmm. really good that I made it to mm-hmm. intermediate and then just took it on my own from there and uh, failed music school two or three times before <laughs> I succeeded and that's nice. all part of a whole a whole other story yeah
0: where did you go to music school?
1: Uh, well, I finally had some success in the MATC music program. I'm extremely proud of that program. It's grossly underestimated and, and um, little known. But MATC has a music associate degree program. Right. And it's wonderful. It's everything. And they give you a chance there. You don't have to know anything when you come in because if you need to take the really basic fundamental courses, you can. Mm -hmm. I've seen people go from knowing nothing but having a really intense passion for music to going on to bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and having amazing, legitimate careers. So I just want to represent MATC right now, check it out, they're amazing.
2: Um,
1: And then I had so much success there because they gave me a chance Mm -hmm. and didn't tell me I was stupid, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, that I ended up going on to a bachelor's degree program at Carroll University, nice. so my degree technically is in music business, mm-hmm. which is a one-title way of combining a music major with a business minor.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's that's really interesting to hear. And MATC, for those who may not know, is Milwaukee Area Technical College, right? That's correct. Okay. Um, and actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because I uh, only learned about their music business program in the last couple of years myself. I'm actually doing it. I'm talking with one of their classes tomorrow. And oh, really? So I, yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll uh, talk as, about that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Tell me which one. Tell me who's teaching yeah, yeah. it. Let's yeah. talk. We will talk. But I, once I have been made aware of it uh, and how hands-on it is for the students yes. and, you know. They have a studio right there. They, you know, they can they can produce. I right made there. an album yes. in that studio. It's so cool. Yep. I I had no idea. Uh, See? this You know, if I would have <laughs> known growing up in this area, you know, I, and and how much more affordable it is to go there too in comparison to some of the other schools that are out there, it's I you know so I I'm I'm you know I love hearing this from you and I'm glad that you're talking about it because I think more people do need to know about yes their program.
1: they do check it out it's everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, so, uh, so you um, you study music business then, uh, and I can kind of tell. Like, I do want to mention. Like, I love. Um you know, communicating with you and and talking with you because you come off very professionally and and in your communications and and how you represent yourself and and your website and just everything that you do. Um, And I mean, I was going to ask you, uh, where did you learn the business aspect from? Is that something that was kind of ingrained in you or is that something you learn more from your study?
1: Well, it's a number of things. I mean, I kind of mentioned that my Family wasn't a musical family, Mm -hmm. per se. Very very big listeners, but not players at all. And I think that ended up kind of working to my advantage in a way because I saw the way that my dad went about his career. And, you know, he got really far in his career, not not by being born into any kind of privilege whatsoever. I mean, he was born to immigrants. Mm -hmm. Um, But just watching the way that he... Always made sure to communicate with people in a professional manner and made sure to be respectful to people and made sure to take opportunities, even if they weren't the ideal end goal, they were a pathway to something better. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, that, you know, that's the entire reason that I had a good childhood with, you know, education and opportunities mm-hmm. and Um, And and my mom was also a hustler. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't remember uh, too much of how she was because it's from a child's perspective, but she always had independent hustles and she always had a way of of turning something into um, a business or at least something uh, meaningful. So I think that foundation was really solid as well as um, the music business stuff. I mean, my... I learned uh, some of that in MATC, and then Carroll University set up a very good but very general uh, business uh, platform for myself and any artist doing business, and then after that, just trying to turn that into a living, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I uh, learned a lot from people like yourself, from podcasts Mm -hmm. and from bloggers. Mm And from you know paying 1999 for this course and that course. and that. I mean, I've taken every course under the sun. Mm-hmm. Some of my can I mention some of my yeah, sort of online yeah, men- mentors that I've found? Um, Chris Greenwood, who uh, his artist name is Manifest. Uh, he is a really, really great author and um, sort of online educator about music business mm-hmm. and how to promote yourself especially as an artist. Okay, great. Uh, also, let's see. Um, gosh, now my mind is going blank. Tiamo De Vittori, Tiamo De Vittori is uh, a music e- a business educator and shows you, you know, five or six different kind of independent hustles to get mm-hmm. your to, to create multiple income streams with music. Um, and then um, I'm going to have to think about who else because, of course, now when I'm thinking about it, my mind is going completely okay. blank. But just to represent those people and kind of thank them for their um, information mm-hmm. and the willingness to give information because a lot of it is free. Right. And then if you really want to go crazy with it, which I do, of course, <laughs> always, then you can take some paid courses and things like that.
0: Right. And uh before I ask you too many more questions about some of that stuff, uh can you tell us what currently you're doing in in the music business?
1: Yes. Yes, the multiple income streams thing is is m- the my chosen pathway. Mm-hmm. Uh because when one dries up, the next one is there. Mm-hmm. So, I've been able to well, I've taught lessons for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've taught lessons During the time that I've done other jobs and during the time that I've been in school and everything, as well as now, I uh, currently teach online, Mm -hmm. which I got into a little bit a few years before the COVID thing Mm -hmm. happened. And thank goodness I did, because that's kind of what saved my butt. Mm -hmm. And I currently teach on a website called Mm -hmm. lessonface.com. I'm also the host of... A guitar company called Lug Guitars, L O O G. They make uh, kid-sized, super easy to play beginners' guitars. I'm the host of their YouTube guitar lesson oh, cool. channel, so look up Luge Guitars on on mm-hmm. YouTube. Uh, and I and I teach a lot of classes that are Luge related mm-hmm. on Lesson Face. And in addition to that, I am a freelance session musician and songwriter and music producer, so I offer everything from just putting a guitar track or a bass track on your uh, song to producing a full pop song or rock song, and even writing it, writing custom songs and things like that. And that information is available at emzimmermusic.com. E-M-Z-I-M-M-E-R music.com. You can get links to all of my freelance sites. And I also normally am playing gigs, uh, which I have also done for the last 21 years during other jobs and before I made it completely off of music. Uh, Of course, I do that now, and, and my... Almost every album I've ever made is available for streaming, at least streaming and download, if not actual solid compact disc. <laughs> and there's going to be more coming. I'm making an album right now that's going to be released within the next couple of months.
0: Nice. And, I mean, have you been able to continue performing at any level during, throughout this COVID time?
1: I have chosen not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've chosen not to perform in person. Right. I've done several online streamed shows. I did one in-person show during COVID last July, and then I felt really kind of guilty about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I just can't, I haven't been, I haven't sought out necessarily any type of in-person show that is properly socially distanced and do, and done safely until I reached out to Wisconsin Music Ventures. <laughs> and uh, it sounds like uh, you've had some events that have had uh, really, really uh, ingenious uh, social distancing and, and kind of properly Good done. Space,
2: yeah.
1: uh, you know, I mean, I'm a bar musician. I play in the bars right. and stuff, so that's where my mind was going. And then I played this one bar gig, and it was a wonderful gig, but no one was wearing a mask and people were hugging each other and really close quarters. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm asking people to gather in a group like this. I COVID is my fault. Oh no. And I had had all this guilt over it.
0: I know. And yeah, we, I mean, just, just to speak on that, like we really want to be able to promote what we're doing and and take pictures at our events. And we're not going to ourselves in that position if it's yeah if it's not a good fit so uh yeah we've been trying to really make sure that we have lots of space but um, yeah, we'll see what happens this summer. So I'm I'm really glad that you're that you're working with us, and we're um, yeah I'm looking forward to have you do something some of these this summer. Uh, so so yeah, that one gig was. But yeah, the bar gigs it's so tough, and that, that's something we were talking about recently. And I'm I'm curious about your opinion on like I mean, as far as the outdoor concerts and festivals, it seems like there's going to be more hope for that coming yeah. up. Uh, but what do you think about like the indoor? You know, your typical, you know, bar musician gigs. I don't, do you think those are going to be coming back or do you think musicians are going to want to play them?
1: Well, I think many of them are already happening. That's true. Yeah. For for better or for worse. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I've, I've had offers, but I've chosen not to take them, which is really hard to do. Uh, but I just can't, you know, it's like I'm bouncing between uh, wanting to support local venues that are doing this because they need to stay afloat Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and feeling guilty about wanting to do it because that's what might cause a third wave and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're on the tail end, you know, with with how many people now are qualified for COVID vaccines, I'm optimistically saying that we're on the tail end of this. Mm -hmm. And we still need to make sure that we're cautious until that day comes, the day of, you know, what do they call it, herd immunity. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't think it's going to be long until the bar gigs are going to come back in full swing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say a few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the outdoor gigs, I think, will be just a couple months. Those mm-hmm. will be back in full swing. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's easier, obviously, because you have more space, uh, to social distance outdoor gigs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. We will see. I, it's going to be really interesting over these next three to six months to see what plays out. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was going to ask you. So I, I think I've heard a term for you know the the musicians who make these multiple in- income streams. And really, for anyone who does that in any um, any sort of line of work, but I've heard the term portfolio musician used. I don't know. Have you heard that before? I call it multiple hustles. Okay.
1: That works I don't too. Know, I don't know what <laughs> portfolio musician is, but I'm, that's awesome. I'm glad that there's a, another term for it. We're yeah. a real thing now. Yes. We didn't yeah. used to be a real thing. People thought I was crazy. People have been telling me I was crazy from the beginning.
0: No. Yeah. I, I cause I, I mean, so many of us have to do that, uh, in order to make things work, but we, but we're still making a living in music. We're just Doing it from different different aspects of music, uh, so but this has worked for you throughout COVID. Yes,
1: it has. Thank goodness I've had it because when COVID hit, you know I feel awful for the people who uh, made their entire living off of performance because then their entire career disappeared. It's been mm-hmm. terrible, mm-hmm. and it's been terrible for the venues as well. Um, so you know, it's I always part of me always wished you know, had this fantasy that I would have made it as an Mm -hmm. only performing and recording musician, only making albums and only touring and recording, uh, performing, you know, and part of me does want that Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's what I want to do in the first place. However, it's a blessing and a curse that I never, that I never ended up sort of making it as doing just that Mm -hmm. because, um, Then my career did not disappear during COVID. As a matter of fact, it grew. How did it grow? Uh, The online lesson thing blew Mm. up, blew up during this time, as well as the demand for for remote session musicians Hmm. because people couldn't get together in in in-person studios. And I prefer to do everything that I do in person. However, as far as maintaining a legitimate career mm-hmm. and a flexible career that can uh, help me out when one hustle when one hustle is slow, I can mm-hmm. have the other one mm-hmm. uh, the online thing is magical it's everything and so i I look forward to the point where we can gig and everything in person but but really those online hustles are keeping me,
0: are keeping my
1: career alive.
0: Yeah. That's great to hear. How do you make it, um, personable through the online lessons?
1: Well, I mean, you are face to face in a sense because you're over zoom or whatever stream, um, communication Mm -hmm. platform that you're using. Mm -hmm. So, I think just just being yourself and just treating it like it is an in-person uh, lesson and just being very communicative to the student. And in my case, I have a lot of kids' students, mm-hmm. so also with the parent. Right. And maintaining professionalism in your communication as well as I don't know if everybody does this, but after every – lesson I make sure to write a personalized note with all the practice assignments and things like that I don't just tell them in the lesson and leave them to it because let's be real they're not going to do it (laughs) if you do that but also but also the parent you know I always make sure to address it it's another one of those things that I learned from my mother and father address it like a formal letter Dear so-and-so, you know, so I'll say, let's say my student's name is um, Elliot. Dear Elliot and family, hope you had a great week. Here's what happened in the lesson today, and here are the goals. Mm-hmm. Thanks, check you later, have a good Passover, whatever, whatever, (laughs) just little formalities like that that people just don't do anymore. It's old fashioned, but it's kind. And and it's the types of social graces that work. And I do the exact same thing with my session uh, gigs and my song production gigs. And you know i make sure to to write something to them that's personalized that mentions something about their life that that is done with impeccably good grammar and spelling right and that's written out and formatted like a letter nice and that goes you would not believe how far that goes it's yeah. probably the reason that i have the career that i have it's probably
0: one of the reasons that i'm here today cuz that's how i wrote to you exactly Yeah, and it is so noticeable in comparison to what other musicians do. Um, And, and yeah, that's what I was, you know, thinking of earlier um, when you reached out to me. Um, And, you know, so many people lack the communication skills or um, just even the the formats in which they're communicating. Um, So many musicians prefer to only do it through social media. As opposed sure. to to through email, uh, that right there is a you know speaks to professionalism. Um, go and, ahead. And and one of the things that I learned from Chris Greenwood, one of my music
1: mentors, is that forming an email list for your fans, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to the social media, but more importantly than the social media, is a better form of communication Absolutely. and and reaching out to everybody. Because first of all, social media outlets come and go. Yeah. And secondly, it does look it does look slightly more professional. And if you can have that slight little edge that does more than you think it does, especially when you draw it out year after year after year, email after email, after email, it's going to do more than you think it's gonna. And it uh, what else was I going to say about the email?
0: Yeah. And go, keep thinking But yeah, I, I should get better about remembering my episode numbers or having a list in front of me. We did do uh, like a, a shorter episode on e-news letters for musicians. Sure. Sure. And I, it was a little while ago, but, um, and we talked to different musicians who are using them and why they're using them and w- what rewards they have received and using them for yes. so long. Some of them use them more recently started them maybe because of COVID. So some of them have had them for yeah. decades. Um, you know, maybe not decades, because email hasn't been around forever, but uh, but you get the idea. And But it, it's been so much more personable for people to open, and then they can do like special um, offers for like swag yes. and things like that, or special releases of their new you know tracks to their e-news followers, things like that. Um, go ahead.
1: It's a common ground between everyone. It's not reliant on what your preferred me- mm-hmm. method of social media is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... You can reach out to more communities with mm-hmm. it. Like, for example, my, when I teach big classes on my lesson platform, I put a little thing at the end of class, here's a link to sign up for my mailing list.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, not, As long as you don't present it like it's going to be spammy. It's right. not spammy, but people kind of assume that it might be, and there's that skepticism there. As long as you present it that way, uh, then you have a then you connect to a whole you know dozen more people mm-hmm. who they are interested in mm-hmm. your music they don't want to be bombed with Facebook invites mm-hmm. but they are interested in your music and they do ask where can I listen to it
0: Yep absolutely. And the Facebook invites are so um, they they pile up. Once you've clicked on that that you know that little red dot or whatever, you see however many you've missed since the last time you checked it, and then you never see it again. Uh, it goes away. The email it's it's there until you've acknowledged it, uh, mm-hmm. until you've done something with it. And the people who um, and this is actually another episode I want to do something something with, but there's this um, this article on um, top fans and our, or um, on on your. I forget the term for it, but the people who really want to support you. Super fans. Super fans, yes, thank you. Yeah, your super fans want to have ways to know you better, to be closer to you, and that's not something that they can easily get on social media. But on e-news, it's something that you can do more with, and they will want to open that.
1: There's a gosh, I, I'm embarrassed that I can't remember her name now because I've read so much of her stuff and taken her courses. Uh, her, her music education stuff is called uh, Six Figure Home Studio, something hmm. like that. Six Figure Home Studio, and she is kind of a hard rock, gothy metal artist who uh, talks a lot about um, the super fan mm-hmm. aspect and getting people to invest in different ways in in your art mm-hmm. and it's it's sort of something that fits that would fit but doesn't have to be on the Patreon format mm-hmm. and that's kind of related to what what you do with wisconsin music right. ventures With the patrons, there's, a, yeah. there's there are patrons
0: yep exactly and that's that's why uh i think that that term was initially something that i heard is because of a workshop that we had done on, on developing uh it was you know some people had asked about uh, how to build a patron following mm-hmm. or a patreon following more specifically and um, i remember our um, our workshop leader first said, "Well, before you do that, you really have to make sure you identify your super fans and make sure, yeah. uh, make sure you have them." Uh, you have every, you've done everything that you can um, to encourage them to reach out to them to to give them ways to connect with you uh, before you start doing a patreon kind of campaign um, so that that was really interesting i'll have to that i'll do a follow up episode talking about the superfan kind of thing <laughs> so
1: i'm going to have to find that educator and yeah. send you send you a link yeah if you find that we'll put it in the, the, the that. show notes probably the first person i heard about the superfan format from yeah. And uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said before, find them before. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the core concepts of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is find a buyer first.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, So you have to find the people to whom you are going to make your offer in your email list mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and study what kind of, you have to do what what in business is called market research. You have to study what kind of material they're going to, Want what kind of content is going to be easy for them to access? What kind of content and method of presenting said content is going to attract them to is is going to be worth them being your patron mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and paying the price for it? Yep. And it's it takes some trial and error. It's not going to happen overnight, but um, but yeah, it's it's I mean. It can really pay off for you in the long run. So, all really good thoughts. Yeah, if if you find that, let us, let me know, Definitely. and we'll, we'll add that to the show notes here. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you have come across over the years in being a musician? Well, to kind of bounce
1: off from what we were just talking about a second ago, if you are afraid of failure, you're not going to have a career. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when I was younger and starting out, you know, Mm -hmm. I thought ridiculous things when I was 17 and playing my first gig. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, if I don't make it, make a platinum album by the time I'm 22, then it's just over, man. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, my gosh, how ridiculous is that? Mm -hmm. You cannot just it took me a few years to have the humility to understand that it's going to be like. 99% failure mm-hmm. to get that one little nugget of success and I don't I don't mean that pessimist that sounds really pessimistic. <laughs> I don't mean that pessimistically at all. I mean it's worthwhile mm-hmm. to go after those couple of things that are going to make your career. Mm-hmm. And don't you can't curse the failures. You have to learn from them because it's a little brick in the foundation that you're building.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So I think that's first and foremost. And I think that's also kind of a first world problem, (laughs) you know, that I'm never going to fail and I'm going to be so butthurt when I fail. (laughs) Um, Humility, I think. And then and then coping with the fact that you do have to have multiple hustles, Mm -hmm. even the people who are on major labels and seem like they're making a living off of touring streaming and merch when they get home from that tour they don't have a job Mm -hmm. you know and so you need to do something like a lot of people teach lessons a lot of people do the remote session work thing because you can do it from anywhere Um, a lot of people work on work with patrons Mm -hmm. so that when they're not physically out there in person touring They still have, they're still putting out content that they can put out from anywhere Mm -hmm. and making something valuable for their patrons. So I think just realizing that you're not just an artist, but you have to be an entrepreneur. There's nothing wrong with being completely an artist or completely an entrepreneur, but you can't curse the reality that you're going to have to eat and have a roof over your head. And, um, you know, a lot of people, when you say you want to be a musician for a living, the classic scenario is a teenager or young adult saying, I want to be a musician for a living. And and the people around them going, oh, well, that's ridiculous. Uh, you, you, it's not a smart choice. Get a real job. Do right. this and do that. So and what do, do you really want to be? Yeah, it <laughs> is a real job. I am mm-hmm. a full-time musician mm-hmm. for a living, mm-hmm. and all of the things that I do to make that happen count mm-hmm. and are a music career. It's get rid of this fantasy that your career is 100% performing and, and recording your original music. Um, you will do that, and I hope that you do tons of it. I hope that you do as much of it as you want to, and your wildest dreams come true with that. Also, figure out a way to supplement your income during the in-between times. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be a bummer. It's not going to take away from your art at all. That's a total myth. It's going to enhance it. You know, a lot of my lyrical ideas have come from having to pursue those hustles Mm -hmm. and having to work hard and having that adventure. You know, and before I could do those music hustles, I drove for Uber and Lyft for four years and Mm -hmm. took about 10,000 rides. I got about (laughs) 10,000 rides under my belt. And I was bummed that I was away from the music desk and doing my music and this and that because I was building that while I was doing my driving. but. I I always knew that that was a blessing. Mm -hmm. And I always knew that that was something to be extremely thankful for. Mm -hmm. And it gave me so many lyric ideas and so many music ideas and so much, there's so much passion and so much poetry and being this late night driver and having these kooky people in your car and these crazy adventures. I mean, don't curse those times. They're fueling who you are. They're fueling what you do. Right.
0: Yeah, so well said. And, you know, one thing that I think um, I also recognize that you have that I think a lot of musicians could learn from is that in order to maintain these um, this number of music jobs, this this uh, multiple income streams, you have to be pretty organized. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> yes, uh, and that's you, if you're not, it's not going to work. How do you? I mean, what would you say to that? How do you? Oh do my that? gosh,
1: I need an instructional manual <laughs> for everything in my life. Seriously, I really, really do. But for me, it started with having a written planner. I always mm-hmm. have these paper planners. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, today it's the Google Calendar, mm-hmm. and I have alarms because you can set alarms for reminders to do. Ev- anything and everything mm-hmm. that you put on your Google Calendar. So just having a visual map of that, mm-hmm. just very obviously, blatantly. I mean, someone might look at my Google Calendar with what the reminders are and think that my <laughs> IQ is very, very low. It's not. <laughs> I hope it's not. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't really care either, but I don't, you know, it's, it's – Not because I don't possess the intelligence to, like, remember to go to the grocery store. It's that I have so much to do that any reminder is going to be really good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, another that's another core principle of success. I've read a lot about how to be a successful person. And one of the core principles is the checklist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just write it out. Live for it breathe it mm-hmm. don't be ashamed that you have it. it is no reflection upon your intelligence or your abilities just write it down yeah
0: it just ensures that it's going to happen I, I mean and that's just the just the fact that you're writing it the the pr- the practice of writing it will kind of just kind of also lodge it in in your brain i mean you know we're... well
1: yeah that is that is a part of human psychology if you're writing it with pen and papers for some people that That puts it deeper into their memory. Mm -hmm. For some people, um, especially younger people who didn't grow up as much with writing things on pencil and paper, typing it out in your Google calendar. Mm -hmm. Typing it out somewhere. Mm -hmm. We've got all these automated alarms and things Mm -hmm. that we didn't used to have. Use that alarm. Make it tell you to get up. Right. Make it tell you to take a shower. (laughs) Make it tell you to go to the grocery store. Yeah.
0: There's almost no excuse to miss anything right now.
1: You know, and and also, I just want to address, you know, uh, some of these things that I'm talking about might really seem like first world privileges, and I realize that. They are. Mm -hmm. Having a smartphone, having electricity, having internet, having a calendar. Okay, But before I had that, when I was very, very, very poor, then what did I have? Pencil and paper. Mm -hmm. A notebook is 89 cents. Mm -hmm. A pencil is 89 cents. Mm -hmm. That's what I had. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Before I had internet in my house, which I didn't have for a lot of my adult life because I was very, very poor, that's how I clawed my way up mm-hmm. from from being a minimum wage restaurant cook mm-hmm. to, you know, a full-time
0: musician.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, well said. Thank you for addressing that. Anyone can do this if they are willing to put the work in It's is kind of how I'm reading some of this.
1: Yeah, and, and by whatever medium you can. Mm-hmm. If you need to use a medium that costs less mm-hmm. – if you need to write it on your hand from a pen that you stole from the front desk <laughs> of some hotel that you walked into, you know, do it. Yeah. That's yeah. the stuff I did. I did crazy stuff when I was super poor to, to do it. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just, it's not just because I was lucky enough to be a white first world yeah. person in modern times. Yeah. Um, so I just want to respect you know anyone yeah. anyone who is not by letting them know that you do have resources mm-hmm. no matter how small don't curse them don't compare them to anybody else's from anywhere else mm-hmm. just do what you can i promise that if you continue to do that it'll turn into something great but you need to be patient you need mm-hmm. to be patient as well i don't know if i'm
0: supposed to swear on here you need <laughs> to be okay. very
1: very patient
0: <laughs> It's quite all right. <laughs> all we have to do is check the box that says, like, you know, there's a different language here. Okay,
1: <laughs> Colorful language. Colorful Disclaimer, language, yes. Emily Zimmer will use colorful language on your podcast.
0: That's okay. Oh, yeah. All, I I mean, I couldn't agree more with all of this, so thank you for addressing it. It's really important stuff to hear that, that some people just need that reality check about. Um, and, and, but yes, it's, I guess, I mean, and what you're saying is like, it's all possible, but it does take that patience. It it takes, you know, that organization, it takes that, that determination. Um, but it's all within anyone's reach. Um, do you have any particular lesson that you've learned along the way that you would like to pass along?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest things I've been talking about here is don't, don't, compare yourself to other people's resources, other people's privilege, other people's uh, what you think are their abilities, don't assume that anybody has more capability than you do because of this factor or that factor or that factor. Now, I have extreme respect for the fact that some people are born into privilege and some people aren't. And that's something that I'm really glad is in the general social dialogue right now. Mm -hmm. Um, However, we also need to be careful that as an individual, that doesn't cross into, oh, well, I can't because I'm this. Mm -hmm. I can't because I'm that. It has nothing to do with can or can't. Uh, Your resources might be different. Your resources might be less. Your resources might be less or more convenient. Um, or less or more available
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and prejudice may keep you from resources. Mm-hmm. But you need to look at it from your own individual perspective and say, okay, it sucks that this and this is something that I don't have. Mm-hmm. That's something that we need to work on in. The world and social justice and the politics revolving around civil rights. Mm -hmm. But look at what I do have. If all I have is a pencil and paper and someone to talk to, I need to take, I need to suck every little thing that I can get out Mm -hmm. of that. Because the thing is, most people don't. Most people would look at that and go, ugh, I give up. Mm I'm going to get a real job now, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote. I'm putting air quotes in the air. I'm Mm going to get a real job. (laughs) But, you know, because most people don't, that gives you a leg up if you do. Mm
0: -hmm. Totally. Absolutely. 100%. And what advice would you give to those looking to be musicians right now? Be open-minded
1: as to what a full-time music career looks like to you. And I would never, ever discourage anyone whatsoever from wanting to just do your original music and just make a living off of that. That's a great goal. You should go for it. You should go for it immediately, and you should go for it always without hesitation if that's what's in your heart. But you should also do pursue some avenues that, like I said, are going to feed you and clothe you and house you when gigs are not happening so much, whether that's COVID or not, Mm -hmm. uh, and streaming isn't happening so much and you have less patrons and you need to hustle more, you need to have something. And please do not mistake this for a backup plan. (laughs) It's not a backup plan. It's not something instead, as a matter of fact, these are things that will enable you to have your original music career. Don't right? look at it as instead my teaching I look at it as it's the reason I can do my original music career mm-hmm. it's the fuel for my opportunity
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you need to to look at multiple hustles and you need to look at them that way and also you're going to your character as a human being and your strength as a human being and your creativity and ability to someday be a good example for others is going to be strengthened immensely by those things that you have to do in between. Mm -hmm. It's going to make you have a full human experience. Don't Mm -hmm. curse that. Don't think it's an instead. Don't let your parents or... (laughs) Whoever tell you that, tell you that that's something that you're doing instead or because you can't make it. Understand that that is the reason that you are making it. I have a phrase. When I was stuck at a job that I really hated, I had this phrase. I would come down there and immediately feel grumpy about being there and going, oh, God, I wish I could get out of this sooner, but I just haven't saved enough yet. Mm Mm-hmm. And I and I thought, no, I can't curse it. I need to thank it because this is what's funding me eventually getting out of it. Mm-hmm. So I would come down there and take a moment and say, thank you for funding my freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to do. It is your freedom.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many good points right there. Yeah. Um, and then just to, to lighten things up a little, have you ever had... Uh, a particular favorite gig along the way, favorite venue or or gig that you played. Um.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, well, I just want to go over a few. First of all, I play Summerfest and Pride just about mm. every year here in Milwaukee, nice. and I just have to. It's just part of me. Yeah. And, and yeah. I and I absolutely love it. It's in whatever capacity it comes. Big stage, small stage, full band, just me. Don't care. Love it. Do it. It's awesome. Uh, But secondly, my true favorite is Steelbridge Songfest.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: Now, Steelbridge Songfest uh, has gone through many different incarnations. It used to be, well, the core of Steelbridge Songfest is a group of songwriters called the Construction Zone who Mm -hmm. get together for a week in the beautiful Holiday Music Motel uh, right on Sturgeon Bay. And write a huge collection of songs, 30 songs or more, in just a short time period. And then have a big show at the 3rd Avenue Playhouse in Sturgeon Bay um, on, on the Friday and Saturday night of the festival. Mm-hmm. So that's the core of it. I've had the privilege of being a part of that a big songwriting group one time for steel bridge song Fest and another time for another festival that they have. That's along the same lines uh, called dark songs. Mm-hmm. And that's right around Halloween time, which cool. is really cool. And I'm going to do steel bridge really soon. It's going to start soon. Um, okay. And it also used to have, it doesn't anymore, um, but it used to have a component um, where original bands and only original bands, no covers allowed. Original artists would play in all the different bars and, I mean, anything. Bars, cafes, bookstores, any place that would set up a little stage and have you play. Uh, That was like Thursday through Sunday, I want to say. And I played at, gosh, eight or nine of those before I um, Mm -hmm. uh, decided to ask if I could join the Mm -hmm. songwriting part of it. Now the songwriting part of it um, is, is what it is. It's the main part of it. And it's just this wonderful, wonderful festival, and, it, and it's really, really good for Sturgeon Bay and Door County and Wisconsin music, and everybody should check it out. Nice.
0: Nice. Great. Thanks for reminding me about that. And then, um, last but not least, uh, will you tell us about the, the music that you selected to have played after this interview is over? The, the song is Isn't It Hard?,
1: Oh, sure. Uh, well, I this is going to be one of the songs that's on my upcoming album. I've got lots of music out there from bands that I have been in, including one that was released last year from my uh, former band, The Zimmer Effect. So everybody should definitely check out The Zimmer Effect uh, on all streaming platforms. But I'm making a solo album right now, and it's going to be quote-unquote full band, which means me playing all the instruments. <laughs> So this is a just an acoustic performance of one of the songs. It's just me and my guitar that I put out for fun. I don't know. It was a snowy day and nobody was doing anything, and mm-hmm. I wanted to put a song on social media. I wanted to give people uh, a kind of sneak preview of what was going to be on the album. This song is also... I, I have a tendency to be sarcastic with a lot of my lyrics. So this was a sarcastic take on uh sort of myself uh as a younger and more naive person and focusing on how everything is so hard you know what do i believe in because everything is just so hard and there are so many things to believe in yeah. and got to get out of this town man because the grass is always greener in the next place you know yeah. and all
0: of those silly things that i really thought were valuable as a younger person Ah, good. I'm glad that we talked about this. That's that's great. I was listening to it just earlier, and, and I actually liked, I, I think we'll leave it in there, like that little preface about how you were talking about how it's a snowy day at the beginning, and I, don't, I forget exactly what you said, but yeah, you gave us a little bit of a lay of the land from where you're coming sure, from. Yeah. Sure, sure. and the context yeah. of the day, Yes, The <laughs> blizzard outside. Yeah, love it. So, great. And then you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but let's reiterate, where can people find you?
1: Oh, definitely. Well, um, if you want to hear my past music, there's a couple that I would recommend on all of the major streaming services. Whatever you use, it's there. Uh, So follow the Zimmer Effect Z I M M E R, not (laughs) Zimmerman. Zimmer. I've been billed on many marquees as Emily Zimmerman. It's not Zimmerman, it's Zimmer. The Zimmer Effect. Uh, As well as the zimmereffect.com is still up and you can stream the music and and purchase the music and purchase merch and stuff for now. It won't be in a few months, but it's still there. Um, You can... uh, One of the main artists I've worked with, her name is Laura Lorenz. Laura, L-L-O-R-E-N-S. And you should check out her music on all of the major streaming platforms. And then uh, my solo music... At least the new stuff is not out to the public yet, but it will be. In the meantime, emzimmermusic.com. E-M-Z-I-M-M-E-R is where everything's going to be announced. You can hear a lot of the recordings I've been on as a session musician. You can see a lot of live videos of me playing stuff with the Zimmer effect, me playing stuff acoustic. There's tons of content on there for you to watch. Uh, as well as follow me on social all my social medias. I'm Emily Zimmer Music. So Instagram at Emily Zimmer Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got a TikTok. <laughs> I joined the kids today and got my very own TikTok, nice. which I don't know if I know how to use, but there's lots of content on there. so at Emily Zimmer Music uh, as well as I occasionally venture into the Facebook, but not that much, but you can follow me if you want Emily Zimmer music.
0: Nice. Thank you so much, Emily, for being here today. Thank you. you. I really
1: appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good rest of your day. You too.
0: Just a little song for you here on a
1: snowy day. Here we go.
0: you to bill and connie blazer of colgate wisconsin for being patrons of wisconsin music ventures we appreciate your support thank you so much for listening we hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests show notes and ways to send us your topic suggestions The Musician's Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Newmeyer. Thanks again.